As we begin this morning, I want to make mention of a dear lady in this church that has been a hero of mine for a long time, Sarah Smith, sitting right back here. Sarah Smith has a birthday today, and I'm not going to tell you how old she is because I want to stay in good with her. She's over 50, I'll say that, okay? But let's wish her a happy birthday this morning, and um, she is such a great spiritual example to this flock, and uh, I appreciate her heart so much. Well, I've got to share, how many of you read cartoons uh, in the newspaper uh, every morning? Come on, it's okay to admit if you read the comics. Uh, Jean O'Neill passed this on to me this morning. And uh, she said, what's this is from Snuffy Smith, by the way. What's the secret of a good sermon, Parson? Well, that's easy, Lucky. Have a good start and a good ending and keep them both close together. <laughs> Gene, I appreciate that encouragement. And the church said to that, but the preacher didn't. And there's a big difference. Well, I also want to get this out of the way. I know yesterday there was a football game played at the Cotton Bowl. And I know many of you are just dying to say something to me about that. Some of you already have. I want you to know I had to change what I was going to wear this morning after that whooping yesterday. And then I just realized during church, I looked down thought oh it's got orange on there and I really didn't do that on purpose but you know it just so happened uh, I love Charlie Strong but I cannot stand the Texas Longhorns and you know that so yesterday was a very embarrassing just awful day uh, to see that but hey today's a new day and there's always next week uh, for football right I want to take you back some 2,000 years ago and I want to remind you that when time was formed and when God formed the universe and created the earth, he began human existence with a marriage and a family. And so that first community that God established was family. It was a home. He had relationship with man in the context of the family before the setting of the church even. And so the Israelites, you remember, they did not have a formal place of worship until the tabernacle of Moses. And previous to this, the place of worship was the home. And I want you to look at this scripture this morning as we begin in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Shema, beginning in verse 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God, let's say this together, church, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Then he says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them 
on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I mean, that was the marching order for home. That was the marching order of how to weave God into that home and how to keep God at the forefront of the home. And so the question I want us to wrestle with this morning as we work through several different passages of Scripture is this. How do we experience that divine blessing from the beginning of time? How do we experience that divine blessing in our home? Well, I think first of all, as you search through the Word of God, the thing that takes place and the thing that just radiates off the page of the holy written word is this. We've got to choose to make our home his home. Listen to these same line of thoughts, these words from Joshua chapter 24. When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you as did the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Gerashites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. If you didn't catch on, that's all the sites of Scripture right there. But he says, I gave you victory over them. Did you catch that? Among all those people, and then God says, but I gave you victory over them. And then he says, and I sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites, and it was not your swords that brought you victory. I gave you land that you had not worked on. I gave you towns you did not build, the towns where you're now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord, what's the word, church? Alone. But if you refer, refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Do you prefer the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. And I love these words, and I mean, these have stuck in our minds from the beginning of time that Joshua says. I mean, Joshua's had it. I mean, he, he goes to the people and he says, it is time that we make a choice. It is time that we decide who we're going to live for. And then he says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. What a great man of courage. What a great man of spiritual fervor and example to cut through the chase and to go through all of that and come back on his own and say, but as for me and my family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He realized at the time, it is time to make a decision. It is time to quit talking about it. It's time to quit thinking about it. And as Joshua says, it's time to do one or the other, 
to go forward or to go back, but you realize if you go forward, it's only going to take place if you do this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then back in Genesis chapter 35, Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of all your pagan idols, purify yourselves and put on clean clothing. We're now going to Bethel where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. He has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their pagan idols and earrings, and he buried them under the great tree near Shechem. And as they set out, a terror from God spread over the people in all the towns of that area so that no one attacked Jacob's family. Is there a verse 5? Okay. Church, I love that passage. A passage where Jacob is saying to the people, it is time that we build an altar to God and allow that altar to remind us that this is always the place where we come back to. That this is always the place where we realize this is where life came from. This is where life started. And do you see what he says there? You need to get rid of all those pagan idols. Hey, do we not struggle today with idols? I mean, you think about it. We have idols of every notion. We have, we have idols of every form, of every make and every model. We have so many things that Satan will put in our way to try to get our focus and our attention off of the one true living God onto other gods. And sometimes in life, we are so tempted to think and believe that these other little gods will save us, that these other little gods will bring life to us and will sustain us. And man, we just give in to it for a period of time only to realize that the more that we give allegiance to those little gods, what's taking place in our heart? We are moving farther and farther away from that altar of God. Isn't it time, church, in our families, and as the family of God in the church, isn't it time to reclaim all of those victories once given to us from God? And isn't it time to reclaim and to say again, we want to be a people of faith. We want to be a people that live in an unshakable kingdom. We live in a world today, a dark world. It's not our home. Our home is that unshakable kingdom that we've been singing about this morning that's where our hearts are that's where we long to be right and so right now as we're living here on this earth we can't just think well you know we're just here for a little while and then God's going to take us home while we are here God's instructions are you live for me and you make a difference in my life. And that's why you have writers such as Jacob and Joshua and others that will say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
Jacob says, we're going to get rid of all those pagan idols. We're going to throw all those things away, and we're going to come back, and we're going to remember this is where we built the altar to God. And this is where we're going to come back to when we need it. This is where we're going to retreat to when we need to be reminded of what's really important. You see, that altar served as a pinnacle. That altar served as a reminder that this is of God. And this is where I want to be. And so we choose to make our home his home But more than that, we welcome his presence in our home. And this is the passage that I want you to see this morning that really has touched my heart this week. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, How can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care and so David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David instead he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath and the ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household you see that for three months the most awesome symbol of God's presence was seated in Obed-Edom's home now I want to remind you of something this morning this little box was the most sacred article in all of Israel's history it was the most powerful object on the face of the earth It was a box that measured some four by two and a half by two and a half, and it was the focal point of the home. And so every day, for three months, they were aware that the presence of God was living with them. That was powerful. And so it got me to thinking, Today, in most of our homes, the focal point is another little box called a TV. Now the one in the lower left corner, uh, that takes you back a number of years, right? Some of you can't even imagine that, okay? That's okay. But you think about it. We are glued to these things a lot. And the scary part about that is this. That little box has the power to shape our homes, to form our children, to corrupt our values, to disturb our relationship, and basically just to kind of take over and control us. Because we get glued to it. Now, this is not an anti-TV message, okay? But church, think about it. In most of our homes, do we watch too much of this? 
do we do too much of that and not enough about God and not enough conversation and not enough forming of relationships I mean sometimes the hard thing to do is to click it so it'll go off but there's moments where we need to click that thing off and reconnect with family and more importantly with God So instead of this being the focal point, I'm challenging us this morning to make what Obed-Edom did in his household for three months and make God. And we know he's not contained in that little box. Sometimes we try to contain him there, but my God is bigger than that box. Amen? God can work beyond a little four by two and a half by two and a half. And all of us this morning are living proof of that. But sometimes what we need to do is turn that off and turn God back on. And allow the reading of his word to sink into our hearts. And allow those moments where you're with your family, you're with your children, and maybe it's just you as husband and wife, I don't know. But whatever it is, take those precious moments and spend them with you and God. We might be amazed at what takes place in our family, in our home life once again. Because you see, inside the Ark of the Covenant were three items. Let me remind you. Two stone tablets of the law given to Moses, which helps us see God's word in our homes. Then there was a jar of manna from Israel's wilderness wanderings, which is another reminder of God's provision in our homes. And then you had Aaron's budding staff, which symbolized and helps us remember even today of God's leadership in our home and how we need to reclaim that. We need to recapture it once again in our lives. And so each one of these items, I believe, still need to be represented in our homes. But the good news now is it's not just contained in a little box. It's contained on the tablets written on the human heart and so in our hearts everywhere we go we take God with us isn't that a beautiful picture everywhere we go we take a little bit of the blessing of God with us surely the presence of the Lord was in that place just as the presence of the Lord needs to be with us today. Let's sing these words and focus on this message. Surely the presence of the Lord is 
this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I Is there an altar in our home? I'm not talking about a construction of gold or stone, put a heart there. I'm talking about, is there an altar that we have built in our hearts that always come back to God? I want you to look at the procession and the progression real quick as we close. And pay attention of how the blessing takes place in this chapter. And notice the power of that blessing. In 2 Samuel 6, verse 11, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And then, in verse 18, when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then in verse 20, after he blessed the people, he returned to bless his household. You see, we have been blessed to be a blessing. To be a blessing to others as well as, we see here, we come back. And we pass that blessing on to our household. And so God blessed Obed-Edom's house because he focused on God. And he blessed others when he caught on to the truth that Obed-Edom knew. And then he returned to bless his own household. And so... Here's what really stuck out to me. What was the truth that Obed-Edom knew that caused God to bless his household? And to me, it seemed to be this. He was not uncomfortable in the presence of God. Sometimes the presence of God brings some little shakiness to us because we don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle that. I think if all this time, if we're just kind of in a rut 
and just kind of stuck there, we're not growing. God never intended for his people to just be stagnant. He never intended for his people to just be there. And so I think sometimes in our walk with him, and in order for our faith to be stretched, and in order for us to be ever-growing in our relationship with God, it is okay to be uncomfortable in his presence. Because it's in that uncomfortableness that God does his best work. But it's in that moment where we have to be open and ready to receive that no matter what. Now, is it painful? It can be. It's not fun always. But did he really ever promise that to us? And I know some in this room this morning are going through some times in life that are very uncomfortable. And you're ready to see how is God going to work this? How's God going to take this situation and bless it? I'm telling you, in his own time, he will. And the glory that comes from that goes all to God as he's working and as he's stamping his own image onto our hearts once again. And so David was so excited to learn here and to realize it is okay to be uncomfortable with God. And you see, one of the ways that takes place is this. You've got to forget about yourself. And you realize at the moment that you forget about self, that is when more of God's Holy Spirit comes to fill our hearts and to fill our lives. And so just at the time where the focus is no longer on me and it's no longer on you, it is that moment where we are inviting the presence of God into our life more and more. We need to do that. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And praise God that it's bigger than that little box today. That box was a symbol and it served as a focal point and it served as a reminder. And when we go back to it and look at it today, it continues to speak volumes. Allow God to work and allow God to move in your life even when it's uncomfortable. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for your holy word. And Father, we thank you for examples that we read in your scriptures of how you are always at work among us. Father, we thank you for the story that we've looked at this morning. We thank you for the reminder 
that it is to call us back to you. Father, we want you and your presence to be more in our heart and in our life than ever. And sometimes, Father, we fail to tell you that. We want to be near you. Thank you for blessing us, Father. And we know it's all made possible because of Jesus. And it's through his name we pray. And the people of God say together, let's stand as we sing this song this morning.